All right, welcome to the first episode of the Madison Story Slam. Uh, this Story Slam was from October 31st. We were at Johnson Public House. Our theme was fear, and we had a great turnout. Uh, the room was packed. Um, at the beginning of the Story Slam, not many stories. Uh, nobody really signed up, but after a couple people went, people loosened up as they usually do. And by the end of the night, we had 15 stories, so it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a costume contest this night, uh, so lots of costumes. Anybody in costume who told a story was entered to win $20 cash. The winner of that contest was Hannah, who was in a great uh, costume from the 70s and was really fun. Our first storyteller is Kelly, who has a very quick story about a time she was sick and was trying to make it home in time. So it was around last February, and that's a big time when norovirus hits. If anyone knows about that, it's where you're throwing up and pooping your pants. Well... So I'm working at the clinic, and also I look at my lab partner. I was like, oh, man, my stomach, stomach's really not feeling good. So I'm, like, just trying to track along, and then next thing I know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to puke, and I have to, like, go see a patient. So I quickly, like, puke in a trash can and try to cover myself up and get myself ready. Then I, I'm like, I got to go. So I, this is going to be a short story. So I head home, and I'm driving home, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. I'm going to poop my pants. <laughs> so I finally made it home, and I open the door, and my boyfriend looks at me, and I just start crying. Tears are just running down my face, and he's like, what's the matter? My biggest fear had came true. I had pooped my pants because of the norovirus. That's my fear. <laughs> Give it up for Kelly. Uh, I actually had a recent experience with something like that. I didn't poop my pants. I know. I didn't commit like you did. Uh, I, was, I, I work at a vending company here in town, and I work in the vault. And it's basically just this vault. <laughs> so I count cash all day. And I'm alone in there with uh, this woman. Um, and I felt a fart a brewing, as they say. And I, I knew that it, was, it would be a horrible one if I let it escape. So I was not going to let it escape. However, at the second that I, re I realized, hey, I need to flatulate, as my parents made me say as I was growing up, I felt a sneeze a brewing. <laughs> I felt a sneeze of Bruin, and I just, I had this realization there is nothing more terrifying than having to fart, and then at the same time, in a closed-in space with another person, and having to sneeze at the same time. Like, that is terrifying. All right, our next storyteller, who I believe is Lance Armstrong today, maybe, or just a bicyclist? Yeah. Uh, is Alex Spath? Is that how you say your name? Alex Spath, who enjoys puns a lot. Give it up for Alex. So, we're a little bit mobile. Um, my story is about how I'm afraid of uh, darkness and boogeymen, I suppose. More boogeymen. Um, so I grew up in Milwaukee, and I grew up at the same time that Jeffrey Dahmer was around. So it's understandable that I was afraid. And he only targeted guys. So 
I was, you know, more than reasonable to be afraid of this. Um, so, you know, these stories would be on the news, and I'd be like a little young, precocious six-year-old being like, oh, you like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer, like, killed 17 people. More bodies are being found. Only liked men, like boys, like up to this age or whatever. I'm like, I know he's in jail, still kind of scared. So whenever I went to bed at night, I would see these, like, shadows in my room. And I'd always, like, keep a random weapon nearby, like, like my book, uh, which would do nothing. Or, you know, like, I don't know, my, my lamp would be like, I'm going to, you know, whenever I'd see a shadow. Um, and this fear, like, continued throughout my life. But it, it, would, it wasn't like I was afraid of, um, you know, conflict. I would always have, like, a random weapon nearby, which I think is an important life lesson. Always have a random weapon nearby in case of boogeymen. Um, but same, similar story. Uh, there's a... There's a mall in Milwaukee called Northridge Mall, which is no longer in existence. But uh, there was a guy also there who killed his wife in the, uh, in the parking, parking lot. And this also spread a bunch of rumors how people would, you know, like wait under your car and like wait until you come back from, from shopping and like slice your Achilles tendon um, and like steal all your presents, like the real, the real Grinch. Um, but that's like, or that's just, you can like snope that, that never actually happened, but I still check underneath my, my car from time to time, all the time. Um, <laughs> and, um, so, <laughs> you know, going forward a couple years, I actually learned to drive my car when I was like ready to get my license. My dad and I went to that, uh, that parking lot, practiced all of our wide turns and, and, um, parallel parking. My girlfriend can attest my parallel parking is not as good anymore, um, or ever was. But you know, so I get out of my car. I'm always like really cautious because it's that Northridge parking lot, and I freaking stepped on like a stick, and it like like somehow flipped up and like hit me in the Achilles tendon. I freaked out. My dad, my dad almost pooped his pants laughing at me, and I almost knocked myself out on the door because like I was like holy crap, and I almost hit my head. Um, so I should do all, all like testing at light time hours, but um, <laughs> so going forward, you know, as I get older, I, again, I always have to keep a, a thing nearby. I was, uh, I'm also I really love scary movies. So I, I love Halloween movies. You know, Michael Myers, the original one, not the Canadian. Um, you know, like whatever. I'd watch all these films, like, oh, this is a great film. And then every single night, I would go to bed, like, have a flashlight, and like get to sleep, and like get myself in the protective little covers of my bed, because Boogeyman can't get you if you're underneath the covers, guys, you know? And um, just like look at the shadow behind my door. Just like, oh God, just like let the sleep please come over me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess recently I was just hanging out myself uh, in, my, in my house, and I heard this like little scratchy noise. I'm like, oh my God, what's that? I'm like, I live, I live alone. And uh, I turn off the TV, no, no noise. I hear, I turn back on, a little scratchy noise, like, I'm like, what the, f what is that? And uh, I'm like, oh man, okay, well, I'll just grab my tennis racket, just in case, because um, I had a tennis racket near my TV remote. Um, <laughs> multitask. Um, and anyway, so I turn back on TV, and this bat comes out of nowhere, and PETA won't like the next rest of the story. But um, going out of nowhere, flying around my house, I'm like, I'm not going to bed with this bat. Flying around, probably has Ebola before Ebola even started <laughs> happening. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, ready to 
take down whatever this vampire dude. And it's and I, it actually took me like five times, but I eventually hit this bat, um, and that was no longer a problem. But uh, <laughs> and the last little mini story uh, recently again with random weapons, but um, I was uh, recently my the pipe burst outside my house, and it flooded parts of my basement. And my landlord had been, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll take care of it. There's a cleaning company coming in in a couple days. But this is like 9 p.m. at night. I have a fire going, and I suddenly hear, like, banging pipes from inside my basement. And I know you can sort of access it um, through a door that my landlord sometimes unlocks, which I guess I should check on more often and kind of tell him not to do that, especially with my fear of people entering my place of residence. But, um... <laughs> Um, but anyway, like, like bursting, you know, pipes are like being hit and like weird noises. I'm like, oh, it's just water pipes, I guess. Like they're burst already. But um, I can't even. What was what? What like weapon did I bring? Something ridiculous. Oh, no, my ten, my trusty tennis racket. Yeah. I <laughs> I go downstairs. Like I'm not I'm not afraid of this, but like I'm like still kind of cautious. Like you know about the forehead, whoever. And I like go downstairs. And like I'm a I'm like because I don't know who this is like I'm like about to swing and then like I realize I would have killed my landlord. Um, he's <laughs> he's like Alex I'll uh, I'll keep the door locked from now on <laughs> or let you know when I'm entering your basement. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest fear. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Um, so at first when you're like. I grew up in Milwaukee, and I was growing up around the time that uh, Jeff Dahmer was around. I was like, aren't you 26? And then you were like, I was six years old. And I was like, you didn't grow up with Jeffrey Dahmer. But then I thought about it. Like, I understand. Like, if you were living in Milwaukee, like, when I was a kid, my biggest fear was the depletion of the rainforest, that we would run out of oxygen. Like, so I was a kid of the 90s, and, like, that was a huge thing. My teachers would always, at my small conservative Christian school, would be like, um, you know, we're depleting the rainforest and, you know, plants give us oxygen and so a big source of our oxygen is the rainforest. So I always thought we we're going to run out of oxygen. Like that was a legitimate fear I had at like six to nine years old. Like we're going to die because none of us are going to be able to breathe because these damn lumber people want to build stuff and they need the wood from the rainforest. So I understand why that, like Jeffrey Dahmer would be a big fear at six years old. Okay. All right, uh, I think the next person we have on there is uh, Dan McHugh. Don't cheer too loud. He's not in costume, but give it up for Dan. I'm loving the Princess Bride costumes, by the way. Those are pretty badass. <laughs> All right, so um, does anyone have any strong opinions of the worst state in the United States to drive through? I heard a lot of places I've never been, but North Dakota is the worst. I'm just going to put it out there. Someone, one person agreed with me. So we were, me and my roommate and my third roommate in college, did what all crazy college kids do and go on a spring break road trip. Woo! And like all college kids, we went on spring break to Seattle <laughs> to look at national parks. It was a really good time, but the way to and from was not so pleasant when we had to drive through North Dakota because 
So, because we live in the Midwest, it was snowing during our spring break. We were driving to Seattle, and there was some, some light snow going. Um, it got a little heavier around like the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, but still nothing like major. Then it started getting a little heavier, but you know, they were, they were plowing the highways, it wasn't that big a deal. Then we crossed like right after we got into North Dakota. No plows, nothing. There were snow drifts like three feet high. Those people do nothing in terms of road maintenance. I'm still not entirely convinced that anyone actually lives there. So we were driving through North Dakota, and um, we noticed the gas gauge was getting a little low. Had to stop for gas. And we thought, no problem. We were just arriving at North Dakota's capital. It's bursting with public activity capital Bismarck. And we're like, oh, well, this won't be a problem at all. We'll just stop off, get some quick gas, and get back on the road. No, you can't do that at Bismarck, because nothing is in Bismarck. (laughs) We got off the exit, and... There weren't any signs for any food or gas stations, which we thought was a little suspect. But again, their capital, we figured they would have a gas station. We took a gamble and took a left. We did not see anyone the entire time we were there. I'll put that out there. It was like 8 p.m. It was a time when people should be out, a time when people should be awake. And there were zero cars and there were zero people on the sidewalks. It was incredibly scary, and it was only getting darker. So we kept driving, because what else could we do? We couldn't get back on the highway. We might not have enough gas to get to the next exit, which may also be in Bismarck and have no gas stations around it. So around 10 minutes go by. Still no gas station. We drive past maybe one bar with one car in it. And... 20 minutes go by, still no gas station. We have taken several turns, tried to look for the most populated areas we can find, nothing except just barren electrical power plants and weird maybe oil refineries, I don't even know. So, okay, and then I think it was around a half hour that we finally found this gas station if you can call it that. If the, my memory serves, which it probably doesn't, but it was around a 50 by 50 box with no one inside of it and only neon signs and like junk food in the windows. And we were like, okay, this is insanely creepy, but whatever, it is a gas station. So we pulled in, there was one lone street lamp illuminating the one gas pump in the entire gas station. Again, no gas attendant there, because that would be crazy. It was 8 o'clock. And so we filled up, finally. And we started hearing some noises, some skittering noises um, in the non-illuminated areas that was not in the 10 by 10 area that the street lamp actually covered. So we, the second we filled up, put the pump back on the handle. It's all right, man, we got to get out of here. This is weird. This place is not part of the US. I don't care what they say. (laughs) So we packed our stuff up. We drove on the long way back to the highway. And that we still started hearing these noise, noises. Like we rolled the windows down to try to get a better, better sound for what was happening but we still kept hearing these like skittering noises and then these like kind of 
guttural growls around us as we were driving. We're like, what the hell is that? We all heard it, and we were all just looking at each other pretty silent because we just wanted to get back on the highway, and we just kept hearing these like guttural noises and stuff. I was like, what's going on? And we were going pretty slow because it was like all residential roads. They didn't have any actual roads. It was just like gravel pit of a city. And... <laughs> So, and we kept going, and the noises kept getting louder and louder. And I was the one driving, of course, and they're like, Dan, we gotta get going, man, maybe a little faster, we gotta get back on this highway. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm, I'm trying. And like, it kept getting louder and louder, and we were almost at the exit, we were getting there, it was like maybe, I don't know, like 500 feet away. And we were like, all right, man, it's almost there, and like, we, now it's like barking, it's like full on just barking. And to this day, I still don't know entirely what happened, but I looked in the right-hand rearview mirror and I saw this dog or wolf or something just jump straight at our car. And I think it just like glanced the side of it or maybe our mirror or something. And all I hear in like the back of the car was just like, oh fuck, go man. So <laughs> I just gunned it and I heard the dog like, I don't know, it must've like bounced off of us or something. I don't think any real damage was done to it in case anyone was concerned for this evil demon. <laughs> and we turned on and thankfully made it back on the highway and drove through like two more hours of snowdrifts. And then we made it to lovely Seattle where we spent a rainy spring break looking at national parks. Thank you, Dan. Suddenly, like, 900 people signed up, which is awesome. Uh, so, uh, next up, uh, Dan, do you have a story to tell tonight, Judge, Pope, uh, priest from... Uh, I, I really want to hear a story from you tonight, just, just so I can... That was so good. Anyway, our next storyteller is somebody named Juliet. Is she in here still, Juliet? Juliet, everybody give it up for Juliet. So my name is Juliet, and um, this is my first story, so I hope this goes okay. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, after I graduated college, um, I was kind of lost and didn't really know what to do with myself. Don't worry, that's not the scary part. So I uh, decided that I was going to be an au pair in Switzerland, <laughs> which was kind of crazy. Um, don't worry, that's not the scary part either, although there were scary parts. Um, yeah, so after I finished my year in Switzerland taking care of some kids, uh, I decided that I was going to travel with one of my best friends. So my friend met me in Europe, and we had this really awesome trip planned out. We were going to start in Ireland, and then fly from Dublin to Prague, and then work our way from Prague down to Istanbul by like train and bus, so it was going to be really cool. Um, and it was really cool. So when we were in Belgrade in Serbia, we needed to get from Belgrade to Sofia in Bulgaria. So we're like, okay, great. There's a night train. Like, let's totally take that night train. That's going to be great. <laughs> um, so we booked our tickets and we arrived at the station and uh, we arrived like half an hour before our train was supposed to leave. 
Um, just FYI, this train ride is 10 plus hours on a good day. <laughs> so you're like stuck on that train for 10 hours or more. Um, so we walked up to the station and it was like a really, really small station. I'm used to lots of train stations because I'd spent a lot of time in Europe. And there were only two tracks in the main part. And um, we walked up to the track, track number two, I think it was. And we saw this train sitting there. All the lights were off. And we're like, OK, maybe that's our train. Um, and we like walked up to the door. It was open. And there were two cars. So there were, we were like, OK, this is a really small train. But maybe this is what we're supposed to be taking. And we walked inside. And we're like, OK, it looks like this is the number of our room. And this is our bed numbers and everything. And uh, there was a man sitting inside of our um, little compartment. So there are six beds in each compartment. There's like one on the lower level, and then a middle level, and then a top level. And there's not very much room in these compartments. And there's a man sitting on the middle level of one of them. And we look around the room, and he has literally like six bags the size of me stuffed into that tiny room. And my friend and I were like, oh, like, is there room for anyone else in here? And he just like smiles and nods at us. And we're like, hi. like." <laughs> We're in this room. Uh, should we put our bags on the floor? <laughs> like, is there space on the floor? <laughs> and he just like smiles and nods. <laughs> and we're like, OK, <laughs> we're just going to come in here. And um, we like maneuvered our backpacks under the ladder and like figured it out. And my friend and I climbed up to the top, because we were on the top two bunks. And we're like, OK, cool. We're in the train. And then we like wait a little bit, and there's some more people that arrive into our car. And there's these two Czech women that come in, and they like look around, like, where the heck are we supposed to put our stuff? Because there was no room left in there anymore. And we like smiled at them. We're like, here, like, we can move this over a little bit. Turns out the guy underneath me was this Bulgarian man who seemed to be transporting all of his belongings with him. So, yeah, that happened. Um, yeah, so then these two women get into the car, and we're all settled in. And then this British guy ambles in, and he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? He's like, has his little guitar with him, and he's like this little hippie in his pajama pants. And we're like, OK, this is cool. So we're all like settled in our car, and the, um, the train starts to move. So we're like, OK, we're going to Bulgaria. And um, the conductor comes by as we're all like squished into our little beds. There's no room to even barely breathe in there. And he collects our tickets. And then just before he closes our door, he says, be sure to lock your door. <laughs> and uh, I, um, I look over at my friend, and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> what does he mean? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure we're fine. Like, why, why is he so, like, weird about that? And then the Czech woman, like, leans her head underneath from the bed, and she's like, yeah, we lock our doors because there are gangs that can come onto the train in the middle of the night, and they come into your car, and they spray you with sleeping spray. <laughs> and Emma and I were like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and this woman 
was really serious. And she's like, yeah, we have to lock our doors because of the gangs. And I was like, okay, we'll lock our door. So we like get into our beds, we turn off the lights, we lock the door. And then I, I hear this rustling underneath me. I was like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and I see the, the woman on the bottom, the woman from Czech Republic, she's like reaching to her bag and she's ruffling around and like getting something and she pulls out this lock. I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. Um, and she takes the lock and she starts like putting it on the door an extra lock, and she like closes the lock, she has the key, she's taking it out, and I was like, uh, <clears throat> what, what are you doing down there? And she um, looks up at me and she's like, key in my shoe. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, I am in a room with a crazy woman. I'm locked in a room with a crazy woman. I can't even text my mom to say I'm gonna die. So I like lay there and I'm just trying to sleep. And like my friend had brought Benadryl with her because she's like, yeah, we'll just take some Benadryl, then we'll be able to sleep. So she takes her Benadryl. I'm like, great, my friend's like unconscious. We're all gonna die. <laughs> anyway, I didn't really get much sleep that night. I swear to God, I heard the gangs come around and shake our door open, but it was locked. <laughs> Don't worry, it was locked. <laughs> So we wake up in the morning. I didn't really sleep at all. And um, we made it to Sofia, Bulgaria, after probably about 11 hours. And I guess the scariest thing about this story was that the next day, I was walking around Sofia like a zombie. <laughs> Thanks. OK, that's it for this podcast. Uh, hopefully, in the future, our podcasts will be a little bit longer. We had some technical difficulties with this one. We weren't able to get every story recorded, but that is our hope, and, you know, this is the first one, so things don't always go our way. Uh, we might be changing up the way we do the podcast. I'm not sure. We, you know, we, this is our thing. We can do whatever we want. Uh, next Story Slam is November 28th, the day after Thanksgiving. The theme is uh, family gatherings, so go eat some good food on Thursday, uh, eat, you know, shop in the morning, and then come to Story Slam at Johnson Public House that night and hear some great stories. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook at JPH Story Slam, and if you go to Twitter, you can look up uh, Story Slam Madison, and it's Story Slam Madison, no double M, just S-L-A-M-A-D-I-S-O-N. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We'll see you at the next Story Slam.